This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Live from the Accessible Media Studios, this is Kelly and Ramia. Entertainment, lifestyle, and great conversation. It's AMI's on-air community, and everyone's invited. I have to say, I think we're getting a very good feeling, right? I mean, it's fall. Check. Lots of sports. Check, check. And Halloween. Mm, So many of us out there really enjoy Halloween. As a kid, I think I enjoyed Halloween more than I actually did Christmas. I think it had to do with the time of year. It had to do with uh, my dad and I going on a long hike. We'd hike up over the mountain. We lived at the base of a ski hill in, in West London. And we'd hike over that, go to the farmer's field, and grab all sorts of stock and stuff refuge from his corn field. And we'd take that stuff back and build our scarecrow, and away we'd go. Ah, the only thing about this time of the year I didn't like as a kid were shots. Of course, the flu. In school, have to take care of everything, right? Those shots that we know and hear a lot about nowadays. The word is the um, B strain of of the flu this year, the flu virus. Uh, One of the strains, I shouldn't say the, one of the B strains has actually disappeared. This is the one that makes us reasonably sick. It gets out there. It takes a little longer to manifest itself and make the changes, which is why they think while we were on lockdown, while we were protecting ourselves and wearing masks, it actually went away. Our good friend, the A, though, is still out there, and that's the one that can get you sick. Now, not suggesting that either can't get you sick enough to to pass on, uh, especially our older folks and younger folks. You want to always look out for them regardless, my opinion. Get the shot. See what it does for you. I know we held on to for years. Yeah, but it doesn't mean it's going to cover every version of the flu. Well, it's going to get us covered in a lot of other ways than being incredibly sick. So that's my recommendation. But just saying, they're even thinking, the WHO, of, of next year when they make up the vaccine, not including this particular B strain that they cannot find. Really weird. I mean, you got to remember, animals can get it. So there might be some animals out there with it somewhere. But uh, otherwise, the traces of it uh, are just incredibly uh, not able to be found. So anyway, welcome back to the program. Uh, we want to remind you folks, beginning Monday, and we'll remind you again later in the show, uh, we will not be simulcast at 2 p.m. Eastern on AMI-audio. Um, this is the change being made. They will be airing our program at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. 4 p.m. Eastern Time, AMI-audio. We will still be here on the TV side of AMI at 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Let's take a look at what we've got on today's program. The Actors Guild... Set Halloween costume rules for members. I wonder what kind of rules would be in place. Well, Corinne Van Dusen will explain to us on the entertainment report coming your way shortly. The Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is back for another year. Community reporter Stephen Ricci will tell us all about this year's event in Toronto. And artistic director Joel L. Peters will be chatting with us about the 36th edition of uh, Wasaja Chuck. It's returning in November. Fantastic event this is. We get details for you in hour two of the program. So an event that seems straight out of a horror movie scared certainly children and parents recently. Take a listen. 
It happened during a school-sponsored trick-or-treating event over a week ago with hundreds of parents and children in the St. Louis suburb Kirkwood. A police document says an off-duty officer, Matthew McCullough, told several people that they were all going to die. Police say after a man pushed him to the ground, McCullough lifted his shirt to show a handgun and badge, then shot into the air at least a dozen times, shouting that all attendees would die. Police say McCullough is no longer a cop, jailed on half a million dollars bail. Chuck Sievertson, ABC News. So there's so many areas you can go with this. Obviously, officers out there throwing their hands in the air like, ah, oh, as if our time uh, isn't tough enough out there dealing with the public. Here's somebody having an incident of some kind and doing this. And you think about this, you think about the retired pilot, the airplane, and uh, trying to shut the engines off. There are too many things going on in the world that make you say, why? Like, why? Well, folks, we also talk a lot about Having some compassion and sympathy. I have no idea the gentleman's circumstance. What would make this happen? I have to believe there's a lot more going on with somebody who thinks it's okay. Um, we know that we can't anymore dress up in police officers' outfits. That's something that they've said, hey, man, not cool. Don't do it at Halloween. Uh, um, in a lot of places, it's illegal to do that. So you get a situation here where someone does it, is is in whatever, pulls the gun out, shows the badge, fires into the air. The trauma that gives any of us, I, I certainly know I'd be burying myself under the nearest pile of leaves or whatever, not that that'll protect me, but what that does to you, wow. what it does to your trust, and I know so many officers out there that would say to you, we have enough struggle keeping faith with the public for one reason or another. And a lot of time, it's our own prejudices, our things that we are concerned about, uncomfortable with, with police, let alone when you get incidences like this happening and you just don't know where to go. You think about the people who are there. What will that do? How will their future when dealing with the law? Or even you hear a, a car backfire, a gunshot somewhere, it, it, what kind of panic does it send you in? But it's such a, as Chuck Sievertson said, a horror film kind of atmosphere, a viewpoint at this time of the year. And we do try to scare ourselves, right? We do have fun with Halloween for sure, as I've mentioned already here in the segment. And that's just not fun. And what a way to turn someone away from that kind of thing, a public event like that, enjoying and, and really set somebody on the stage to be fearful for something like that. So gotta say, oh man, again, Got a feel for all involved, including that fella. Um, kind of wondering why, how, what would make you do that? Um, so thought, saw that piece and just wanted to share because, again, it's one of those things that makes us say, hmm, but we do have to have that sympathy and understanding as much as possible for all involved. We'll step aside for a couple of moments on the program. And when we return, TD Bank launched a new tool for people with disabilities. How the heck does it work? Well, Grant Hardy, he'll explain to us during his headline segment. It's a Wednesday. He's on the program. And we've got a lot more, a lot more folks joining us, too, on the show. Stick around. We'll be right back. Don't miss a minute. Kelly and Ramya will be right back. Welcome back to the program. It's the Wednesday edition of the show. Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, London, Ontario, wherever you are. Thanks for being with us. And look, 
at the studio in Toronto, where it's a busy day over there. A lot of the staff hanging out uh, at some point today because there was food. That's yeah. really the reason. Ramya Muthan's back with us on the program this week. Welcome back. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I missed a lot of the busyness. I missed the food as well. Uh, and I'm here now for the show, for the remainder. Yeah, you must be sick if you missed the food. I know. I had a brownie yeah. on the way in, though. Not a good idea, just by the way. Don't yeah, do that. No. Did you have your coffee, too? No. Okay, so that's Coffee-less good. Coffee-less and way. Nobody brownie. Don't go so wandering strange. Down. Don't go wandering down and get her that. That's all we need. We got Grant Hardy in here coming up in a moment <laughs> with serious good. business. We don't need hyper uh, hyper Rumya. Rumya also has a guest who will be joining her in studio in a little right. while. We'll save that surprise for you. Just stick around. Meanwhile, back to business. Grant Hardy joining us with headlines. Hey, I'm Grant Hardy, and welcome to the headlines segment. I tackle everything from health and lifestyle to accessibility and tech. I have it all right here on Kelly and Ramia. Nick and the man work today, trying to spiral all sorts of stuff into these great conversations that he brings to us because he makes us think Grant Hardy joins us. We talk uh, all sorts of stuff, lifestyle, health, accessibility, dot, 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 and so much more. Welcome back from the quote studio, unquote. Ooh, I don't know if I can live up to that introduction. Grant Hardy talks about health and accessibility do. and more dot, 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 dot. That's, <laughs> uh, I have to take a deep breath and calm my nerves after that. Hiring him <laughs> out right off the top. <laughs> I need my coffee and chocolate now. Uh, <laughs> Hazelnut caribou brownie. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Is that uh, an actual type they, for real? That's what I had. Hazelnut, caramel. caramel. Oh, you had a brownie, though. Brownie. Oh, okay. So yeah. I thought that was a, some type of bad coffee. Oh, that sounds delicious as a coffee also. <laughs> oh, man. That, yo, that would have you all, like, all over the wall, bouncing off. <laughs> right. Where are we starting, Mr. Hardy? Coffee-less Hardy? Oh, are you kidding me? I drink, like, five, five cups of coffee a day or something like that. <laughs> I know. It's um, like, like a third coffee <laughs> down, Hardy. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. I need it just to be normal. Uh, we're starting with the rollout of the TD Accessibility Adapter. This is a cool one, and it happened uh, a few months ago. Uh, one employee of TD actually mentioned that uh, it's uh, so true, too, that certain content on web pages, you know, those auto-playing videos, those intrusive ads, all that mm -hmm. kind of stuff, it's not just a nuisance. For some people, it can actually trigger seizures due to uh, the effects and the lighting that that causes. So TD released a free browser extension uh, for Chrome, I believe, that allows users to automatically personalize the uh, every website that they use to make it more accessible. Uh, so there are uh, a number of features that it has, including being able to adjust the font sizes of websites and disable those auto-playing videos, which apparently for people has been super uh, helpful. Um, I, I guess it was rolled out first to employees of TD, but then they decided to roll it out to the world. You can download it now for free. And what's really cool is that TD uh, has stated that it was just the right thing to do to make it free and available. We've all heard that. But they also mm -hmm. said it makes business sense, which I love this idea of accessibility making business sense, uh, because they say if 
you make websites and tools more accessible, it can actually assist with productivity and getting more people into the work and play. So check that out if you are visually impaired. Excellent. So, so <laughs> the thing that I'm thinking here, and when we hear the business case, and we always talk about the business case is what makes sense, you really think about how powerful things are. Years ago, it was, oh, well, if we could that what day when somebody can go in and maybe we find the right person knows how to do it or understands what the heck you're asking for, we can make the adjustments. But now there's so much being done and not just making a tweak for the low vision blind community. You're talking people here, if this can create seizures, the flash content that that's on a lot of these pages, and, and we've heard this for a long time, it's a matter of going in and making sweeping changes that don't seem so broad anymore. They seem almost like putting this on, taking care of that, doing that, making the adjustment here. And that is just tremendous, I think. Mm. And I, you're absolutely correct. I kind of under, undersold it there by uh, mentioning to check it out if you're visually impaired. I guess that's just programmed into me, that phrase. Uh, but yes, it is available for a, a wide variety of, of disabilities because of all the features it provides, like being able to adjust the uh, low or high saturation on web pages, see web pages in monochrome or dark mode. Uh, definitely not just for visually impaired people, uh, but for anyone who actually can feel ill looking at the really just very intrusive way that the web is often designed. Mm -hmm. Convoluted. Very unfortunate. Right, yeah. to call attention and make it look cute and everything like that for people who, oh, oh, all the bells and whistles it looks like just to mm -hmm. make you say, oh, th that's so nice. But, you know, again, TD, like so many of the banks, um, and we talk often about Google or we talk about Apple uh, on a different scale, of course, but their accessibility departments are really on these things now. Well, when Apple um, introduced reader mode, I believe is what it's actually called yeah, to Safari. So. Yeah, yep. uh, that was great because it just takes out everything but the text that's available on a particular web page, right? Now, obviously, it's not ideal for every circumstance because it also gets rid of, you know, headings and radio buttons and all these other things. Uh, and sometimes content is not properly cleaned up on the web page itself. So Apple's asking, you know, is this part of a text or is this part of an ad? Let's just remove it to be safe. And then you're missing half the context. But, you know, ideally we want every web page, every developer to go through and understand um, what accessibility is like. But this extension kind of removes that, I guess, gap. And you can deal For with sure. it yourself. For and sure. Set it yourself. For sure. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Very exactly. interesting. And it's interesting, I, I, you guys, when you talk about the buttons and stuff like that with Apple, Rummy, because you do wonder at most cases when many of us would say, when do I need this on? When do I need it off? How what, 80 percent of the time, 60 percent of the time I can utilize this? And I guess that, obviously that's a personal judgment, a personal right. call um, where, you know, well, I'm not filling out anything. I don't care on this page. I'm just trying to read the content. But you don't want it to be where, yeah, OK, that's all you're doing. But because it's on, you miss something. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly. And uh, even with this, right, the creator, we talk about this all the time, how something spins into something bigger and accessibility becomes part of the conversation throughout uh, or somewhere along the way. And this was originally built for blue light filtering. And now how big this extension has gotten or how much more it can do for people. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting because I've, I hear this argument sometimes like, why would you, you know, block... Uh, you know, ads, like why would you use an ad blocker? Don't you want people to get 
you know, compensated for their work. But the counter argument for that is, you know, there's such a thing as reasonable ads on a oh, web page. Yeah. And I, I remember how it used to be designed. It was not a problem at all. You, you got your article, whatever, but you also saw ads. But now we're in these thing, and I'm sure you've seen this too, where, uh, you know, for for a blind user, it tries to sort of hide the text on the website, mm-hmm. although you can still like kind of see it sometimes, but you actually have to like interact, like go into the ad and there'll be some sort of close button that you have to mm-hmm. hit. It's not yes. always even labeled. Inaccessible. And the, close button. Inaccessible. Yeah. Or those videos that actually drown out the contents of your screen reader, you have to the go audio. and pause yeah. them. So I mean, and it jumps this... around, right? Your page, will, you'll exactly. fi- find something you want to start reading and all of a sudden what pops up moves you moves your cursor exactly and the fact that Mm -hmm. it can actually make people sick Mm -hmm. yeah bravo for for td for taking a tool that was internal and making it accessible to everyone for free i I like the um blue light reference though that that's what they were originally working on interesting because we uh, talk a lot on the show about the blue light you don't have it near you disrupt your sleep so many other things very interesting that that's how this was born yeah absolutely interesting uh sir your next Uh, item uh, folks, um, oh, what what is this word? Chat, 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 GPT. Hmm, I think Never I've heard, heard that somewhere it. before. <laughs> it's obscure um, by the sounds of it. Mm-hmm. Right, Ron? Um, yep. So uh, apparently, in the classroom, uh, people are actually facing a math crisis, especially in the USA, but I think in Canada a bit too, where people are just grossly like underperforming in math, science, and STEM, and people are wondering if it should be taught differently. Uh, So in in an era where teachers are debating whether chat GPT should be banned or how it should be excluded, some uh, some teachers are saying that artificial intelligence can serve basically as a tutor giving a student who is struggling with a product uh, uh, problem immediate feedback so it can actually help a teacher plan math lessons or write math problems geared towards different levels of instructions and it can also help you examine code uh and uh indicate specific things in your work that are problematic uh this is a really cool one for me because i know one thing that like i used to struggle with is you know, just the amount of material that was actually accessible to me, there were sometimes only a few questions that focused on specific areas or kinds of calculations. And what I really wanted is just to have an unlimited amount of questions so that I could make stupid mistakes and it's fine, just move on to a different question with different numbers, you know, try again, try something different until you finally get it. Now, obviously, punching this into a calculator and just getting the answer, I mean, no one really learns that way. But what I do love about this, uh, folks, is that uh, with ChatGPT, it can show you every step in the equation and show you where you went wrong or kind of go step by step through how to, how to do it. Mm-hmm. Because you're, again, prioritizing the learning process, right, Grant? Not Because I think when we're growing up and if we suck at a particular subject, especially something like math, but also in English, you know, grammar and things like that, you just chalk it up to like, oh, I don't have brains for math. 
I, I don't think I can do trigonometry or whatever and just leave it there. Uh, or, you know, the teacher sucks, so I don't know if I'll ever be good at math. But with things like this, with improvements to all the different um, techniques of learning, we can maybe break down even the way we process a bit more and then have that gay feel like we can be better at the things that we thought we were terrible at. And obviously for people going through it for the first time, you know, kids who are learning particular math things now, they have this opportunity for assistance. Mm. For It'll sure. be interesting to see if AI can help Grant learn something the way Grant learns it, you know, yeah, as exactly. we teach and basically say, well, Grant learns it this way. Kelly, he, okay, let's move on to the next person. He won't learn it at all mm. or whatever when it comes to math. Like, again, it's 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 nicer if we go through those efforts saying it's a school subject. It's we, We're going to keep, keep it there instead of saying, well, it's just people just, you know, use calculators, use computers, use whatever and give up on it because we're in an era now with stuff that might actually be able to, you are more of an auditory you know, learner. You better do better at reading. But how can chat GPT or whatever it's going to look like in AI yeah. world in six months yeah. or two years teach you or yeah, assist you learning? The, the way yeah, we every, grade. Everyone, go ahead, go ahead. No, yeah, everyone's had an experience with a tutor or teacher, right? Where it's like, how are you not getting this now? This is like the 10th time exactly. I've helped you this kind of thing. Now yeah. you have something where you can literally for the millionth time Okay, where do I keep going wrong? How does this compare with previous mm. questions? And it will not. And sometimes give up you have the teacher grant you. that can teach you, but no one knows how they get to you. They yeah. learn, they yeah. have an idea, and somehow yeah. they can communicate with you. Whereas now the chat GPT will give us the reasons and we'll actually break down the reasons why we are or aren't getting something, but also the way we're grading is probably going to change as a result of this, right? We can't grade the way we you used bet. to. Mm -hmm. Good discussion. We should continue it next time for sure. Yeah, well, we'll uh, ChatGPT will be here again in about five minutes, probably. Anyway. <laughs> anyway, Grant, pal, thanks a lot. Cheers. Thanks. Grant Hardy out in Vancouver joining us. He's producer, reporter on our program. Always great to have him on Mondays and Wednesdays when we talk headlines. Coming up next, Rummy and I will return. Here's an interesting entertainment discussion ahead. The Actors Guild set Halloween costume rules for members. What rules might be in place? Corinne Van Dusen, she's here to explain in a moment. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Ramya return with more in a moment. So the reason for the pizza in Toronto, I'm not sure what the Montreal team had out there. They may have had pizza as well. But it was for a specific reason, folks. We've talked to you a little bit about it. The staff got a chance to dig into it today. AMI Plus, as you know, has officially launched. The new platform features a slick, modern look and puts AMI original award-winning content right at the forefront. AMI is fully compatible with assistive technology, including uh, screen readers and magnifiers, also Windows and Apple uh, platforms. You can also get find it available on your mobile uh, device as well, folks. Check it out. Visit amiplus.ca to enjoy it. Uh, and it's for free. Just settle on in and enjoy yourself. Uh, and we appreciate your feedback at any time. The company wants to make it as, as accessible as possible. Kelly McDonald here with Ramya Muthan. And bi-weekly, we've been having our entertainment hits with Corinne Van Dusen. She tells us everything that's going on in celebrity life and Hollywood. Let's bring her on.
Hi, I'm Corinne Van Dusen. Join me as we dive into the latest entertainment stories from music, television, and movies here with Kelly and Ramya. Corinne, there's so much entertainment to uh, participate in, but also the, the stuff that you bring on is very entertaining to begin with. So Actors Guild is setting up some costume, Halloween costume rules for members. Um, why? What's going on? Why is this an issue? Well, <laughs> it made me laugh that they uh -huh. did this. So the uh, SAG after strike is continuing. So actors in Hollywood are not working. They're striking for um, lots of issues like better pay and better working conditions. Uh, so they can't promote work. They can't promote any upcoming movie. They can't promote anything they're in oh. right now. And seems to have spilled over to Halloween costumes. So <laughs> they don't, they uh, issued a statement that said um, they issued it in response to content creators and members asking like, what can we wear during the strike? Um, and they said this was meant to help avoid promoting work. And in it's the latest in a series of guidelines that they've issued. Uh, they're saying it's like, we're still going to use our collective power. And this is the the next thing coming up. So like, you know, no Barbie, no Deadpool, no, like, mm. you know, uh, no Heidi, spoilers. Klum, Heidi Klum has a huge Halloween party every year. So we'll we'll see if uh, what different costumes show up there. Um, but yeah, so it's it, yeah. <laughs> yeah, wow. is right. Yeah, dot, dot, dot. And I was really curious about this. You know, where are these uh, members wearing their costumes? Like, what are the parameters about where they can dress up as what? So, but you mentioned Heidi Klum's um, event, the Halloween event. So that makes mm -hmm. sense. Do you have any reactions on the actors? From the yes. actors? Okay. Mandy Moore and Ryan Reynolds have been the most vocal opposition. <laughs> <laughs> Mandy Moore wrote uh, on Instagram, is this a joke? Like, <laughs> come on, SAG-AFTRA, is this what's important? We're asking you to negotiate in good faith on our right? behalf. <laughs> so many folks across every aspect of this industry have been sacrificing for months. Get back to the table, get a fair deal so everyone can go back to work. Wow. So Amazing. Yeah, so are they allowed to dress like, up as arbitrators or or Teamsters Union <laughs> people or something like that related to history? Anyone that's been involved in a huge strike or currently stance, is? Yeah. I wonder if they can support everyone else that's on strike and dress up with yeah. associated yeah. things there. So, uh, that's what well, I do. Ryan, make a move like that? Yeah. Ryan Reynolds, he used his uh, customary sarcasm. He posted this on X, formerly known as Twitter. Uh he said, I look forward to screaming scab at my eight-year-old all night. She's not in the union, but she needs to learn. Oh, what a malicious way to get all the kids to do stuff like that. And oh, man, we're trick-or-treating. That's going to well, be a trend. I'm not doing it. Oh, yeah. that's great. No, it is true. Like post strike post everything we've been keeping tabs on for the last several months and the frustrations brutality they're like and by the way uh, halloween costumes we have some rules so do we know anything more about the movement in negotiations well as you said it's been a long time it's been around 100 days that mm -hmm. uh, they have been on strike unfortunately negotiations have ceased they ceased earlier this month sag actress saying that the studios used bullying tactics so they walked away oh from the table because of that. So 
Uh, as of right now, no, they're not sitting down. And um, I don't know, will the Halloween thing bring people back to the table? <laughs> like, yeah. oh, you, you can't, uh, they can't wear our, our costumes. You can actually wear um, animated character. You can be an animated character because apparently that's oh, well, not covered. They yeah, they don't want to take all the fun Nobody out cares of about it. anime spoilers? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> that kills me. Well, maybe not by Halloween, but maybe by Christmas. And while they're at it, they can listen to an album. A share is set to release a Christmas album. I think a share. And I think of all the time I, I've, well, okay, since I was a kid listening to share music, you talk about somebody with longevity. Yes, definitely. She's been around since what, the 60s, I think. Yeah. And she's yeah. put, she's every decade. Uh, she's put out stuff. So her album, simply titled Christmas, is coming out on Friday. Uh, and she just had one sentence when uh, she was being interviewed. And they said, why Why now? And she yeah. goes, well, I, I just wanted to do one. <laughs> so, wow. Okay. <laughs> well, and that's the best reason of all, in all fairness, and something you haven't done mm -hmm. in, I think she came on the scene, as we were saying, 66, 68. And that's phenomenal to think about. You You haven't done a Christmas thing? On your, on your own since then and it's how many years wow so that is really cool um she's got guests on this too doesn't she who, who are yeah, the guest artists? she's got a lot of help cindy lopper is mm. there she's on a song called put a little holiday in your heart stevie wonder shows up on what christmas means to me darling love on christmas baby please come home michael buble's there they're doing a version of uh, his song home and rapper taiga they're doing a song <laughs> called Drop top sleigh ride. Oh, no. <laughs> Beautiful. Oh, Cher's wow. really getting all the above in. Mm -hmm. It sounds like mm -hmm. she's yep. helping do the duets for the songs that are already there. You know, other yes. songs, right? But on her album. It's kind of cool. Yeah. I, right. I think it's so. absolutely fantastic. So what do you think, Karen? You you have more of an ear and a, a head for this kind of info and what you what you what you think. Predictions. Uh do you predict? A holiday special in the future for Cher? I'm going to say no. And unfortunately, she said no as well. Because okay. right. uh, she she put out the album and she quintessentially Cher is very like laid back and like, yeah, well, you know, I did this, but I'm not going to do that. Who knows? She might go on might go on tour eventually. Maybe this Christmas album will become her like Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. Ah. Uh, so, like, maybe we'll see if she'll tour that um, next year. Uh, everything will be for, like, the the years to come, not right now, yeah. because yeah. she's just putting this out. Um, she's so busy it's... with the ice cream truck anyway now. She's got yeah. the ice cream out there, too, right? She's got, it's called Sherlotto. It's her own yeah. gelato. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Never understood that name. But, sure, can do anything Never saw that Cher wants. Out. No Sherlotto? Sherlotto, yeah. A Cher and Sherlotto, maybe? It just fits so perfectly. Um <laughs> Let's talk about Britney Spears because her highly anticipated memoir, The Woman in Me, is out and throw to the chatty bookshelf this Friday. I believe Ryan Huey is going to bring this up again. But tell us, because she's not holding back on any of the details, Corinne, and so much has happened in Britney's life. Obviously, mm -hmm. we want to know all about it. Mm -hmm. um, and we've been getting, you know, bits and pieces of different things. But uh, we want to know nosy. what she's going to tell us. Yeah, I think we have I'm the right not... to now. <laughs> yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah. I'm not going to deep dive into it as you said mm. you'll be speaking about it again but it's a lot she brings a lot so her childhood the beginning of her career all the way through her marriages kids conservatorship 
It goes as recently as July, where there was an incident where she was actually hit in the face by a security yes. guard for an NBA player. Yes. So right. that's yep. as uh, recent as we get. So it's a pretty, pretty comprehensive. Oh, it yeah, sounds I remember like that it. incident at uh, Summer League. She was there in Vegas and wanted to meet the newest member, and I'm not saying his name because I haven't practiced it enough, uh, from, from France uh, of the San Antonio Spurs. And uh, I think that's where that incident mm. happened when they were, oh, back, back, before they realized, oh, you're Britney Spears. Oh, you can go where <laughs> you want. And we often can get nitpicky around memoirs and things like this, right? Like, oh, does this celebrity really have enough to put a memoir out. Are they too young, you know, with Justin Bieber in his museum, things like that. But Brittany, hands down, right? Like, she obviously needs to put out some stuff, and she's gotten to the point where she's decided that's a thing. Does she write about her relationships? Justin Timberlake, any of that come up? Oh, yes, she does. <laughs> the tea. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of the uh, leaked stuff that was online before today has been about uh, Justin Timberlake. Several chapters devoted to him. Um, wow. They deeply personal details, including about their painful breakup. Uh, she talks about ex-husband Kevin Federline. She gets into um, how the public, uh, her public meltdown, like fueled the custody fight between her and him. Uh, she does not talk about her almost ex Sam Ashkari. Um, they are in the the process of getting divorced, um, so she mentions him. Uh, but she doesn't write anything about the divorce. So I'm guessing that all the transcripts were sent in before, you know, this this had happened. Mm. So, But it's still pretty, like, goes up to, you know, pretty recently. And you mentioned the conservatorship, uh, conservatorship, obviously the shaving head and all these, like, infamous things that she's known for throughout the years, the drama of Britney Spears are coming mm -hmm. coming up. Yep, she's been under conservative. She was under conservatorship for fourteen yeah. years. Wow, I don't remember. I don't know if you remember the Free Britney movement, um, which yep. was yep. big to get her out of the conservatorship. So um, she talks about uh, what happened around there. Her father was in control of uh, the conservatorship the whole time. She says she felt that from the start, the arrangement existed so that he could pay himself handsomely. So she says, uh, yeah, she says that he wouldn't uh, you be know, the first father that had that viewpoint mm, or at yeah. least to control. I know we talked about that. You know, we've heard about that with the Beach Boys, uh, certainly with the Jacksons, even at time and, and just that kind of control that parents have. Well, I have to control these. Look at these kids. Well, I have to control their money is pretty much what she's saying. That's, right. oh, yeah. That's what he was interested. I don't so. care what you go do, but make sure my my cut mm. is in. Yeah, I want to end on one really good moment, though, because mm -hmm. it's not apparently it's a pretty sad book because she's been through a lot. But she talks about Baby One More Time, the song that launched her career. Mm -hmm. uh, it's got a pretty iconic music video where she's in a school and she's dressed up in a school uniform and she's dancing in the hallways and she's playing basketball. And she said the concept for that was her idea um, Jive Records, her record company, wanted her to play a futuristic astronaut. And she's like, nope, you know, I thought people want to see um, my friends and me sitting at school bored. And then as soon as the bell rang, boom, we'd start dancing. Nice. Nice. Yeah, I wonder how I like much of that. the music and the healing and the art comes out because she is, say what you will about Britney, but she's brought so much to the scene, right? So mm -hmm. is, is that the one that I, you know, you say a happy moment. I wonder if that was really the most control she ever had over 
one of the videos, you know, and, and if I people rescued it. that away, I'd like to think she had yeah, saying a lot not. more than that. That would be so sad. I hope she didn't just stay in the art through all of this and all the years for nothing, right? I think she had yeah. a lot of say in her early career, like when mm -hmm. um, when she was coming up and everything was big. And then it was kind of like the uh, Federline era. He wasn't controlling her. Um, but there was a manager, his name is Sam Lufty, who um, kind of took over her career and um, was telling was more controlling in what she can do artistically and mm. such. Mm -hmm. So I don't think she had as much input then. Yeah. Uh, Current, we'll look forward to reading the memoir, going through it in a weekend binge or something. Thank you so much. Oh, yes. No problem. Thank you. Corinne Van Dusen joining us for entertainment. You can check her out bi-weekly on the show on Wednesdays opposite Greg David and TV Talk. When we return in about two minutes, folks, on the program, on the buzz today, Bill Shackleton will tell us how an award-winning Halifax professor nurtured a, a wonderful network of battery entrepreneurs. What the heck's that all about? Well, you know who's got the answer. He's in studio beside Rumya. We'll hear it next. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Rumya on AMI-tv. So I know Amuthan didn't get a chance to be there for the pizza, but I know who did. You know. He buzzed in today from home, Rumya, this guy. Um, by the way, Kelly McDonald here at the home studio, Rumya Muthan, hanging out there on main campus and sitting alongside her, the pizza hawk himself, Bill Shackleton, joining us for the buzz in studio. Now, Billy, you were looking forward to this. This is something we were hoping to do a while ago, didn't get a chance. Uh, and then uh, recently, you were under the weather, didn't get a chance then. Finally, he's here Finally. in studio. Just in time for pizza. Gremlins, you know, uh, the gods were against me, but it worked this time. It, 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 it worked it's delayed gratification, Billy. Yeah. Because now that you waited so, this long, you've gotten here, there's pizza, it's, everything's good. Bill good. used to uh, wait outside the door when we were in an audio show. And obviously, outside the door, we had a light so people would know when the studio was active and we were on the air. So Ramya had to, when the light would go off and we shut our mics off and went to break, uh, would have to call. Billy, wouldn't it be nice just to relive those moments. What was that call? What? How did you Scream. call him? <laughs> yeah, I think that's a good way to describe it. I would just say it. his name, but you it know, he had to hear me through funny. the sound-treated door in space, so it had to be uh, pretty how loud. How would that sound? Billy! Yeah, it was something like uh, that. Something yeah. like that. The best imitation uh. I've heard all day of herself. <laughs> uh, Shaq, where are we beginning, sir, with the buzz today as you bring all sorts of items to us? Well, we talked about this one, how an award-winning Halifax professor is nurturing a network of battery entrepreneurs. Wow. So yeah, they call themselves the, the Dan Labs graduates and they are powering an unlikely um, Halifax research hub for based uh, batteries designed to replace fossil fuels. So basically Jeff Dan started this program. Um, he was a teacher in the 70s and 80s in Halifax and he, um, you know, wanted to explore the idea of how can we, you know, make batteries better because he was interested in climate change. and He was interested in, you know, sort of making it better. So he has teamed up with Tesla um, in, in 2016. 
and he they are testing and basically what he's doing is he wants to make batteries last longer and of course the reasons for that is climate change and the, you know he wants to lessen the landfill and this sort of thing so it's it's you know an ongoing thing and I wasn't able to find out whether it was commercial batteries or just batteries for cars. Mm -mm. But um, it's but the concept, right? Yeah, that's right. It's the idea of, hey, we we can if we make batteries last longer, mm -hmm. um, they'll be better. And he's last, got 40 people in too. his lab. Yeah, less space. Yeah, space, waste. I mean, we're hearing a lot about batteries. And, and again, we have our certain fears of certain things that can go wrong. And, you know, we I'll, I'll talk about the e-bikes, for example. We're talking pretty big specialized batteries i think by the sounds of what they're they're hoping to do when you want to use it as a replacement for certain energies um and charging capacity so i i get really fascinated about batteries always have been you know hey billy the big old d batteries oh, everything boy. like that that's oh. been a part of your life yeah and you want to see now what they can do you know you were happy oh man these d batteries will give me about mm. 16 hours of charge what yeah yeah, <laughs> and yeah. they didn't recharge they just started to go into the landfill well, I'm hoping that um, he, if he doesn't include commercial batteries, he should, because there's so many of these batteries that will go into the landfill and well, that sort of thing. So hopefully that would be, if it's not included, it should be, if he, if he should mm. get into that end of it. Well, he doesn't even want the lab that they're using to work on this project, which is a lifetime, apparently, yeah. uh, for this rechargeable battery improvement situation. Anyways, he doesn't even want the lab to get uh, into the landfills, so you can understand how you know crucial it is for him to use renewable energy. Uh, mm -hmm. But also, he was there when lithium batteries yeah, were Yeah, that's new. right. That's kind of cool. So, I mean, he's been there since the beginning, there since uh, the improvements, the ups and downs, the war on batteries and all of this stuff. And he's still going, okay, but we can all get on the same page. Everybody wants prolonged battery life, but let's find out how we can utilize the proper energy sources to get there. Yeah. Uh, and we're hearing the cutback that we know we have to have of the fossil fuels. We know about the pollution, everything like that. Associated. We're looking for that clean energy. These provide it. This is the thing that we have to all be on board with, whatever it comes with, whether it's vehicles, um, other sustainable um, battery forces because of the environment. It's It could make such a huge change. I mean, there's still lots of other things, and we are still incredibly behind the eight ball. But we're hearing about more of the world embracing this kind of resource and technology. So I'm glad to hear it because, you know, it's getting pretty scary around here. Where do you want to go? Where do you want to go next, Bill? Well, we go from batteries to atomic bombs. Um, this is kind oh, of what interesting. A uh, well, yeah, well, visitors line up to tour New Mexico's atomic bomb site um, in what is likely to be record attendance. So this... this um, site in Los, Los Alamos um, is where the first atomic bomb was actually detonated. Mm -hmm. And it's it, the reason why people are flocking to this place is it's based on the, um, the movie Oppenheimer, which I believe was released in the summer. Mm -hmm. And it, to, it told the yeah, story yeah. Of, of the uh, Manhattan Project. Mm -hmm. And you are warned if you go that there is very little Wi-Fi. There's no restrooms. And I think they're letting 5,000 people go through. But, I mean, I would love to go to that site. I mean, you can stand on this in the site where the bomb was, I mean, the researchers, um, they um, set up this site 
and where they tested the atomic bomb. And unfortunately, there's a sad legacy, um, which is that residents didn't know that they were testing. And to this day, as the article pointed out, um, younger younger people are still having health complications, Mm. which is, you know, really too bad. What did they call that, Bill? Uh, Was it not ground zero, was it? I think it was um, something. That, I think, that it, yeah, something in that. I think it was right. Um, there was a a movie that shot in the area that a lot of uh, a big name Hollywood people were involved with after they did the testing, and at that time they didn't really think about what you just referenced. And many of those actors, uh, the crews, a lot of people got sick and died young, yeah, because they had shot the film there. You know, I I think of so many people that they attributed and said, "Hey, well, the reason." You know, is because as time went on and people started to get sick and they said, wow, there's some parallels here. What's going on? Why are all these people? Uh oh. And realized, well, of course, um, you know, the legitimacy of filming. This is where it was done. We're going to film here. And uh, didn't didn't turn out well for a lot of them. It didn't. And the interesting thing about this, this, this whole atomic bomb thing is the crucial, well, role that it played in history. I mean, there is no doubt what that bomb did. And what, right. it, what it was designed to do. And it was just tragic. It was just just a terrible thing that they had to use. It's called Trinity Site, yeah, by the that's way. Right, the Trinity. Spot. That's right, Trinity. That's right. But I think they refer to it as something else, don't they, Bill? Like I said, the Ground Zero. or there was Ground Zero is uh, the Twin Towers, yeah. Yeah, uh, there was something else for this area that it was called. It was something like that mm-hmm. long, because obviously that's long before. But I'll, I'll look it up because I can't quite remember. Mm-hmm. Yeah, quite, um, I guess, complicated. But in terms of just marketing, and I don't want to chalk this all up to marketing, but in terms of just marketing, we have Oppenheimer come out during the the summer, right, late summer, early fall. And then we have this uh, being opened up to the public, which it never was, I guess, once in April and once now. Yeah, they open it up twice twice a year. So it feels a little like, you know, limited time only. Yeah. Um, and you get to kind of let whatever you want seep in because it's opened up to you. And if you saw the movie, then you have made all these connections. Um, but realistically, I wonder if something like this can be a long term um, opportunity for people or if it's just what it is right now. What did they say? 70 cars lined up? Yeah, that's yeah. For the latest opening. And I'm hoping people go not because of the movie, but because of what the, 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 what it what it did the to our history. Value. I mean, yeah, but we don't know though. Yeah, I mean, the, enough of it is just the hype around the movie because people enjoyed it's what and they know. thoroughly. But it's what the they, movie, it's yeah. what people know. I mean, yes. a lot of people know of it. Yeah. Don't get me wrong; I don't wish to insult people's intelligence, but it's so far removed from what yeah. we know today. Even no matter how much you talk about nuclear. Uh, armament and and you know how many nuclear bombs the U.S. had in this given year or this country has or who has it who's building uh, you, to think back to before when you know this is the first time this mm. is where the testing was done and you know I think for a lot of and people just love hey this is a film about this area whether they filmed there or not or it's still history and oh, I've never thought of going to see that I want to yeah phenomenal i mean people are it's still very controversial that this is happening that the movie was released the the facts mm. versus uh well, what discrepancies done. of what was done exactly yeah. exactly like you're dropping a bomb on a city to stop a war mm. you're like we talk and we know right now there's a lot of concerns about the innocent people in gaza for example and this is another occasion yeah. where you stop and say did the 
the result justify the means and you know the people of the time will tell you yeah or nay or yay um billy you want to move on to your, one your more. last item i think i want more if you're a shakespeare collector you might be interested in this um there's a british uh, private publishing company called fully and they are um actually a producer well exhibitor exhibitors are um, um allowing shakespeare's Foley's, which the original Foley is means the original work um, of on the 400th anniversary of his um, of his death. You can go and either buy one of Shakespeare's original works or you can you can see it's being, you know, exhibited so you can Mm. see it. It's kind of interesting. Um, They are the the, I guess the one work is 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 uh, what a. $15,000, $15,000, and it's um, all the original plays. How much does he have left? Like, how many can we still find of the original works? Was it thirty or 20 or 30,000, I believe, are still um, not published? And what's interesting is most of Shakespeare's work never did get published. And if yes, it did, yes, right. it was published yeah. in paperback. Well, mm. and it was interesting, too, because we know of Christopher Mallow, the yeah, other playwright right. at the time. Yeah. And he had uh, there was more released from Christopher Mallow than Shakespeare of the plays and stuff like that, let alone what other other writings. Uh, but I think that's a it's fascinating to, you know, I don't know how many people will go, but I it's 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 kind of very interesting to see the original. These are originals, at least allegedly they are. What would be interesting is to find out who owns the stuff yeah, right now, who's yeah. putting the stuff out, because we have um, the Folio Society, yeah, 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 who has some of this stuff. Who owns the other stuff, and how do we get the right to, you know, sell this or mm. auction it off? Yeah, and it's interesting because so much of the stuff, the period of time, is open source, right? You can do what you want if you're doing the mm-hmm. plays and so on. But Until if someone the grabs stuff it, was of never course. released, exactly. <laughs> if someone has not released this or they have copies and that and you publish it and say, hey, this is that starts, I believe, now. So yeah. you know, you can't just you have to pay rights to utilize it. But I mean, that's why so many people do different adaptations of Shakespearean plays. Uh, let's put you know, uh, uh, you know, Julius Caesar on the moon or whatever, right? <laughs> right because right. you can. Yeah, you don't I know. We hear so much permission. about Shakespeare through the educational aspects of it, right? Like this is the mark that Shakespeare's left on just schools and learning and literature. But we're seeing a whole different angle when it's like, hey, who wants a part of Shakespeare's history? You know, grab on for thirty thousand dollars. Billy, do you have a favorite Shakespeare play? No, not really. Um, I find it very difficult to do read in Braille. You don't remember yeah. this? I ran a Shakespeare quiz with you all. Billy was not impressed. I wasn't there. You were, but you weren't impressed. Oh. oh yeah, it was you and Kelly were the contestants, I believe. Oh. Wow, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. You you don't remember that, eh, Bill? No, I don't remember at all. I, don't know. I guess I wasn't very impressed. <laughs> it was not. Or you got a memory like mine. Thanks, yeah. pal. Thanks a lot. Have a safe trip home, Bill. Okay. Bill Shackleton joining us for the buzz. We get into these different conversations with him. We settle back and always enjoy what stuff he brings to us. Join us tomorrow for the next edition of the buzz. We do this Wednesday through Fridays here on the program. In the next hour, writer leader Lomanska chats with us about her new documentary series, Ukrainian Mothers and the Children of War. And... Artistic director Jell L. Peters joins us to talk about the 36th anniversary of Wasajachuk. 
that be begins to dance, and that will return in November. Up next, however, the Royal Agricultural Winter Fair is back for another year. Committee reporter Stephen Ricci will tell us all about the event on the other side of the break. Keep it here for more of Kelly and Ramya on AMI-tv. Of course, I did that little bit of research. Yes, it was referred to as a ground zero where the tests were at Trinity out there in the desert when, mm. they, uh, when they tested the bomb. So, uh, Rum, uh, trying to get people stirred up over the last couple of days, we have made mention as we bring in our second hour of the program. We'll do the same thing right here and now, folks. We want you to send those Halloween pictures in. When you're in costume over the weekend or if you're at a function through the week here, just remember us, man. We'd love to get a bit of a description of that costume included with the picture that you can send us. Doesn't have to be anything fancy, just something you're comfortable with us. Whatever you do, we'd love to be able to show some of these on the program and describe them to our listening audience as well. Uh, so as many as we can, we will show them. We hope we get a few uh, to run out on the show Friday, Monday, Tuesday, of course, wrapping things up with Halloween. And, of course, you can uh, send them to us at Kelly and Ramya at AMI.ca. So that's K-E-L-L-Y-A-N-D-R-A-M-Y-A at ami.ca we'd love to have them please send them out to us uh, and and we'll throw them on the air you can you know mention your name if you choose to but definitely just give us a little comment about uh the costume you have so we can describe costumes. that to our audience we're not even stopping costumes. in costumes though no no way whatever yeah. you're doing decors and... anything halloween really anything we can that's right get a description on would be nice. That's a great idea too, folks. Your front yard, your backyard, whatever you're doing. I was I was thinking that earlier off the top when I was talking about the scarecrow. My dad and I would put together right. for the front lawn pumpkins and all sorts of stuff to make you feel like, oh, there's that scarecrow. It's amazing how many people walked up to the scarecrow and said, "Hey, Jack, how are you?" To my dad, and he wasn't out there. Nice hat you got on there. So it, we we did it realistic enough, from. Pumpkins are going to come up again just now. Uh, we have our community reports Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays to kick off the second hour. Stephen Ricci joins us now. He's where I am in Toronto. Not exactly where I am, Stephen, but in the vicinity. And you have a bunch of stuff going on. You want to start with the reminder of uh, Disability Employment Awareness Month, which is now in October. Yeah, hi. How are you? I am in Toronto, and uh, it's great to be here. I've got my Toronto Maple Leafs... Uh, home jersey on today for the occasion <laughs> and uh, yes it is uh, uh disability employment awareness month and i always like to to think you know there's so many different awarenesses uh days and months and certain things all over but i like to at least uh bring one to one to uh, our our memory and uh to, to the topic um also heard you talking about the costumes and i was thinking i'll have to dig up my my uh, Captain Canada costume, if I can, and, and, oh, and maybe you? get some yeah. images for Please you. Do. Uh, the, the cape is the Canadian flag, and you can imagine the rest. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Do that for us. It'd be great for us to be able to, to, to kind of explain that and describe that for people, Captain Canada. Mm -hmm. well, the to save the day. Yeah, exactly. The first time I wore it. And, you know, one of the things about Halloween in Canada, um, and I was living in Edmonton at the time when I first donned the Captain Canada. It was pretty fresh. <laughs> uh, and I was wearing this this outfit and, and running around. It was, uh, we had like a little mini blizzard. And it was like, <laughs> here I am in red tights and a, and a, and a cape. <laughs> 
Well, isn't it funny you mention that? Isn't there an outdoor game in Edmonton at Commonwealth before Halloween or something oh, this yeah, weekend? Right. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So you're, you're, you're jinxing poor Edmonton people. We're going to hear from Crisco <sighs> now. Thanks a lot. Yeah, sorry. Well, you know, I, I've never left uh, a game before the fat lady sings, excuse the expression. Maybe that's not politically correct anymore. <laughs> but I did leave an Edmonton, now the Elks uh, football game because it was just freezing. We left around <laughs> halftime and we had all the attire and we were sitting on inner tubes and we literally uh, had to pack it in before the third quarter. For sure. Anyway. <laughs> awesome. All right. Now. Tell us about the Royal Winter Fair because um, we want to know about the giant pumpkins. Sure, sure. Well, yeah, and the it's, it's it, yeah. The, every, you know, it is such a great place to to see agriculture and in, in many different ways. Right from the, I used to like the butter sculptures. I was fascinated by the butter sculptures and the big, the big huge uh, pumpkins and and uh, the livestock and you know. Mm. We used to go there on school trips on the on the buses every year. Uh, I remember that. And then, as as I had kids, uh, I used to take the kids every year, and I love that bacon on a bun. And the super dogs were one of our favorites because they were, you know, so much fun and and excitement. And never really got to the horse show very often, which is you know one of the the key features of the agricultural winter fair the royal as they call it uh this is 101 years 101 years they've been having this uh this fair here in toronto at the exhibition place in the coliseum and the i guess the coca-cola center uh area um so it's uh it's running from november 3rd to the 12th and uh uh yeah i remember uh one year we even sort of just we were walking along and there was an open door and we just walked in like we were farmers. <laughs> Not oh, setting no. a good example for my kids, but uh, <laughs> nevertheless, we did it. <laughs> I've never had chocolate milk. I'm 30 year old talking about chocolate milk right now, but I never had chocolate milk so good as I had at the Royal Winter Fair. I don't yeah, know. Right if, I don't Jersey remember cows, anything. Right? Yeah, right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't remember <laughs> if it was the milk or the chocolate or what the person told me at the um, the exhibitor. But I was like, wow, this is so good. Anyway, there's always so much to do at the Royal Winter Fair. So it's not like you can get everything in every year. But they're at year 101 now, Stephen. Yeah, that is, uh, that is pretty spectacular. And uh you know, I just think uh, you know it's 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 something different to do, and and uh, they do accept the uh, the access card, uh, the access to card, I guess yep. is, mm -hmm. is what it's called, uh, and uh, that will will allow people that have that card to bring a support person, and the support person doesn't have to pay. So um, that is uh, nice. Uh, it is. Uh, uh, you can check their website. I, I put all of the the links to the the ticket prices. It's thirty dollars for an adult. Uh, they've got a twenty dollar uh, ticket for. This is general admission, not including any shows. Mm -hmm. Twenty dollars for uh, seniors and twenty dollars for youth. Or you can buy a family pass, which gets you uh, two adults and two youths for seventy dollars. So that's your wow. your admission fees and. Uh, you know, maybe I'll see you down there. <laughs> wow. Never know. And, uh, but Stephen, you still in 101 years haven't seen everything. No, 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 no. no. That's and, too much. And, <laughs> and, and it was interesting because, you know, I, I always took the kids solo. I, I sent a little, uh, a little image of, of, of me and my three kids from 1997 
where they they took a picture of the kids on a pony and we had cowboy hats and there was straw everywhere you know so yeah every year we 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 certainly left uh not seeing everything and then in uh all the years i've been going uh there's just so much to see and uh, the smells and the sights and the sounds. So it, it is a sensory overload, if you will. Oh, and sure. uh, if you like the manure and the straw, it's, it's your kind of place. Sounds like a song. <laughs> Let's play a little manure in the straw. Uh, Stephen also, Rumia, just for your benefit, in case you feel like more of that uh, chocolate milk, mm -hmm. uh, they walked in for free and walked out with a Jersey cow also for free. And he still <laughs> got it. So go get your yeah. chocolate milk. In a big gallon of apple cider, right? Mm. <laughs> oh, yes. Wonderful. But those those pumpkins that we like, you know, walk around there and you drum on those things. Stephen, yeah. um, we've been noting that we've got Halloween next week. We've got this winter fair, but also in Toronto, it's time because everyone loves a parade. Everyone oh, oh, loves oh. it. Santa Claus is coming to Toronto. Should be illegal another... to talk about Christmas this early. I know, yeah, I but know. it's a it long a little... time. What are you doing, Stephen? Man. I know, I know. Well, you know, it's like, uh, it's uh, trying to, it's the way it is. So, All right. yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town. Um, the parade is uh, on Sunday, the 26th of November. So, yes, that is about a month away in a couple of days. Mm -hmm. And uh, it starts at Christie Pitts and ends up at the St. Lawrence Market and zigzags its way uh, along uh, the, the city uh, streets. So, you can, you know, Good way to get there is by TTC. Uh, yep, they're, you're showing a map right there. They even have an accessible viewing area near uh, college and university. Uh, um, so, you know, make sure that if you uh, um, need uh, some accessible viewing uh, section, that that is what they've designated. And that's uh, pretty cool. My, my sister-in-law um, took the kids to the Santa Claus Parade uh, quite often because uh, her office... Um, had a bird's eye view uh, oh, nice. with warm hot chocolate so they didn't mm. get the atmosphere on the street but they definitely got the to play in the offices of should i say it deloitte and uh yep. anyways uh, so they <laughs> definitely uh, uh had a little a little bit of a party watching the santa claus parade from uh, one of the high floors in the downtown office building so um you know uh as i as i have albinism uh, one year I decided that I would play Santa and I grew a beard. I've only grown one beard in 60 years and I, I started on Labor Day weekend and I, I grew it till Christmas and well, my wife told me that I should probably buy a pickup truck because I look like I should be going to the Royal Winter Fair. She said that look like the, old the, Uncle the, Jesse, did you? Yeah, pretty much. It was. It was. It wasn't a Santa beard. It was more of a, you know, you've been in the woods beard. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. So it was wild, and I still have a photograph of it. But uh, uh, yeah, so that's and, the Santa. You notice Claus we parade. didn't get that photo to show everyone. <laughs> I forgot. <laughs> I think that that should be your Halloween. There's your costume too. That's the sub one. We can utilize that one. That will provide yeah. lots of entertainment or yeah. for your uh, photo up on your. Uh, Stephen, do you guys still go? Is this something that you will be at? You think? I'm, I'm going to try. I'm going to try. No, I'm not afraid of the cold. So we 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 go out. We're we're Canadians through and through. So we, you know, love the four seasons and and we'll we'll try to we'll try to get out there, but. I'm wondering if it, it's usually the same day as Coupe Greg, the Grey Cup, which is actually right. in Hamilton this year. So, um, and hopefully the Argos will, will be in it. Okay. Looks like uh, it. I would think so. Uh, I would think yeah, so. Yeah. And Thanks, Bill. 
Yeah, some of us stick to the indoor agricultural fairs, though. Like, <laughs> yeah. we're not Canadian enough. Stephen, awesome. Yeah, Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And look at the guy who fled right out of uh, uh, Commonwealth Stadium. So get out of here <laughs> at this with this Canadian solidness. Stephen, we will chat with you in November, uh, where you'll probably bring up another Christmas thing, but then it'll be appropriate. We'll be talking about New Year's. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> Two talk months of, ahead of time. I'll all tell right. you all the family day stuff coming up. Exactly. <laughs> Have a good one. You Thank too. You. Take care, man. Yeah, Stephen Ricci is our community reporter, one of, and he joins us from Toronto. He's given us all the scoop of things going on pretty much November to the end of the year with this one. Oh, that's great. Good stuff there, and it just makes you stop and say, oh, wow. Up next, artistic director Joel Peters joins us to talk about the 36th edition of uh, Wasaja Chuck Begins to Dance, and this returns in November. We'll talk about everything going on. Wonderful event after this. Don't go away. There's more great conversation with Kelly and Ramya right around the corner. Remember to check us out, ladies and gentlemen. You can catch repeats of our program 10 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-audio and on AMI-tv. On AMI-tv at 1 a.m. in the morning and on AMI-audio again, 6 a.m. in the morning versus our live edition right here at 2 p.m. Eastern Time on AMI-tv. Folks, Ramya and I absolutely love to get into talking about different opportunities when it comes to dance, theater, and so many of the arts out there. Native Earth Performing Arts presents the 36th, uh, this is the 36th annual edition of Wasajachuk. This is Begins to Dance, and this is from November 6th to the 19th, both in person, and you can catch this as uh, parts of it online as well. We'll find out details on that. This, of course, features uh, contemporary and Indigenous music, dance, spoken word, and even accessibility programming. Thank you very much. We welcome back to the show artistic director Joelle Peters to join us, who's going to be chatting with us about what we can expect. Uh, thanks a lot for being with us, Joel. But I, I first want to play a little sound up for people here so they then we'll discuss it. Uh, welcome back, first of all. I appreciate you taking time to be with us on the show. And let's tease everybody here as we play something from We Treaty People. What does it mean to live together? On this land. In, in this, this place. place? Burnt Thicket Theatre presents We, we Treaty people. people. Audio dramas exploring what it means to embrace all our relations. heard so many wonderful things said about this event um what it means and the opportunities given welcome back to the show thank you thanks so much for having me so let's get into right off the top uh tell us a little bit about what you do and also about the festival 
For sure. Um, what don't I do? <laughs> I knew that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's the life of an artist, right? It's just uh, always finding new new ways to um, re reinvent yourself, uh, learn more about other parts of the arts, and so yeah, I I tell people I'm primarily an actor. I'm also a playwright. I I'm a director. And now I'm an artistic director of one of the largest indigenous theater companies across the country. Impressive. And we want to know everything that's going on because there's so much uh, to be experienced at this festival. Do you mind just kind of, we're going to go through some specifics in a second, but do you mind just hashing out what exactly is being highlighted at this festival this year? I like to say that the festival is really a showcase of Indigenous excellence. So there's there's um, more of the traditional theater, there's dance, there's music, there is comedy. And yeah, we, we're really, um, really just trying to showcase works in development. Like that's all that the festival is. It's really... Um, a seed so that people can bring their initial ideas depending on like it doesn't matter how far along they are in their mm -hmm. development we just we want to give them space and time to say work with a mentor work on uh, rewrites work on a new idea entirely maybe they've come in with one idea and then decided in their rehearsals I don't want to talk about that so it's it's really an exciting ground level that audiences can see into new indigenous contemporary work. It's mm -hmm. exciting. And what an opportunity to workshop. Wow. Exactly. And Absolutely. because it's kind of everything and anything, it, it, we can get into all kinds of stuff. Uh, let's listen to and watch something that was um, sent to us. And this is on the Roseneath Theatre. So we'll find out what that is and then we'll talk to you about it. Mischief is often the charge that will be laid following an act of vandalism as defined by Canadian law enforcement, is a criminal offence that refers to the willful or reckless destruction of property or another person's property. I was only trying to do what is best for my people, for my brothers and sisters, for my ancestors looking after me. A crossing guard reported visibly seeing you pull out a mini chainsaw from your backpack. I was visiting a friend of mine in the city that day. The station is right across from the park, Edward Cornwallis Park, where the statue stands bigger than anything else. A shiny statue of a man who caused unbearable harm and pain to our people, and it's hard to forget. The man in the statue, the man in the park, the one who was named the founder of Halifax, granted permission to any citizen to capture and kill any Micmac Indian in sight. It would be better to root out the Micmac out of the peninsula decisively and forever. He said that, a leader. I'm not the bad guy here, Miss Stevens. Believe me, I'm just doing my job. I can't control the ancestors, Miss. They'll come back when they want to. Well, that was incredibly powerful. Um, do you mind telling us a bit more context on this? 
Yeah, so that is one of the pieces that you'll get to see in person at the festival. And as you can see, it's already had a bit of a, a Zoom um, presentation. Mm -hmm. This is kind of new for this year. It's not something that we always explore, but um, what we're doing this year is having a, a dedicated TYA or Theater for Young Audiences evening. So I think at least myself as a as a leader I'd like to also start looking at more young audience work just because the the youth are our future as well and, and indigenous culture we we often talk about that so I I feel like yeah there's definitely room for it there's playwrights exploring that work like Lisa Nason and um, we're just so excited to highlight it there's a lot meant to be um, I guess discussed or sure. brought to light through a lot of this art form. And I think that, you know, just a snippet of what we heard right now is very, very uh, indicative of that. Um, and we're ready for it, right? The young people are definitely saying, hey, you know, if we had opportunities, it's a different time. And so many people have those questions as to where do I go from here? What do I do? And they're, they may be in, in elementary school, they may be in a high school and just need the resources. But you guys are doing that all over the place. I mean, uh, for example, tell us a little bit about the accessibility in Indigenous creation and performance panel that you've got going on and what that will bring. Yeah, so we're doing a couple of accessibility things for the festival. We're trying new new things. We're trying to be as inclusive as we can because it's important. And I think especially over the past couple of years with, with Zoom readings and, and thinking about like even captioning, for um, presentations, it's it's possible and it's time that we start being more inclusive and accessible. So what we're doing is on, oh gosh, I should have the date with me. It's, a, it's essentially a relaxed performance on Thursday, November. I would like to say that's the, it's the 16th, can confirm. <laughs> uh, on the 16th, we're doing a bit of a relaxed performance so people can see a bit of how um, presentations in person can be more inclusive, whether that's maybe adjusting the sound or the lighting levels or just letting people know what to expect in advance. Maybe it's um, being able to access the space in advance too. Sometimes that's um, things I've seen with relaxed performances. And we're also going to have a panel like you you mentioned with a couple of folks in the Indigenous community that work directly in making things more accessible. So we're, we've got uh, moderation by Desiree Leverens, and we're talking with Yolanda Bennell, uh, Janice Mayers, and Brian Solomon, all of who really, yeah, they, they all care so deeply about making things more accessible for everyone. So I think it's going to be a really great conversation. Where, where does the networking come in, um, in terms of finding artists or uh, connecting artists with, you know, different creatives with each other, uh, just putting this whole festival together, the outreach? Can you talk a little bit about how much is put into that or some of the systems that are in place to make sure that this festival gets the the clout that it does and that people are aware of what happens and not just people who know about it every year or every time it comes around, but newer uh, talent? Definitely. I think part of it for me has been really helpful that I'm also an artist in the community. Mm -hmm. I've worked with Native Earth in different capacities for the past 
seven seven years and so i've i've really gotten to know who's out there who how do you find people i've talked to previous leadership about um you know folks who are kind of doing similar things as me and so some of it is just people who are regularly in our network and and who really regularly support native earth but also I'm interested in finding, yeah, like those new people. So sometimes it's going to see theater in the in the city and just keep keeping an eye, keeping an ear on like who who's out there, who has just graduated from a program or going to community events, uh, community theater, like who who maybe is taking a different route and and is just really interested in performance and telling stories, mm-hmm. traditional storytelling as well. That's another thing we're looking at this year. So it, there's a few different ways, but I sure. I really tried my best to just keep an ear to the ground. Yeah. What's going on? And I'm sure but too, you- part of that is figuring out the kinds of art or fusion or conversations that people are bringing up just from the forms of art that they decide to bring to the table, right? Like you mentioned traditional storytelling, but also there are all these contemporary ways of uh, you know, art mediums that are coming up that involve a little bit more fleshing out and talking about. Absolutely. Yeah, we we don't really censor what our artists are talking about. We're really just providing that space for them to figure it out as they go. We're giving them space and and um time with a mentor to have those conversations and they're also getting time with other actors. So it right. it's really yeah. a special time and I I honestly like think it's my favorite festival of the year. Mm. Well, it's amazing because when you hear people talk about it, you know, you kind of get as an outsider, you come see stuff maybe, and you, you hear people speak of or those testimonials, but those feedback from the artist, what what kinds of things that you've been told that you know, this is really making the difference, not just out there in community, but for these individuals? Yeah, I, I think I can speak to that even firsthand, that there's a play that previous Native Earth leadership had programmed that I wrote. And we we had it as part of our season earlier this year. So it, it started with the festival. It started with other programming that we at Native Earth do um, through our Anemiki Creators Unit unit. And and so all around Native Earth is just trying to uplift Indigenous artists' work. Wow. It doesn't really matter what it is we're just trying our best to be there for people because it hasn't always been that way there we no. really have to like be there for each other yeah. and there... i love the accessibility and everything component yes. because there is so much there i love the fact that people that you're so open because that's what we need if we want to catch it online or come in person where can we get all that information joel you can head over to our website. We're going to be updating it as we go along. It's nativeearth.ca. We are also on Instagram, Native Earth Performing Arts. And you can find us on Facebook, Native Earth Performing Arts. Always have fun with you guys. It's such an amazing festival. Uh, we'll, you know, People, I'm sure, out there will check it out. Good luck this year, Joelle. Thank you so much. That was Artistic Director Joelle Peters introducing us to the uh, 36th edition of Wisagichuk begins to dance returning this november from the 6th to the 19th we will step aside for a couple of moments and when we return we speak to writer 
Amelia Tuensky about a new documentary series, Ukrainian mothers and uh, and the children of war. That's what this is all about. We'll find out. Sounds tremendous effort here. Stay tuned. It's fun, insightful, and inclusive. Kelly and Ramya return in a minute. Thanks for being with us, ladies and gentlemen. I just want to once again remind you folks listening in on AMI-audio that starting Monday, you can catch our show at 4 p.m. Eastern Time. Again, that's 4 p.m. Eastern Time, AMI-audio listeners only, uh, AMI-tv. We will still have the program beginning at 2 p.m. Eastern live, and uh, AMI-audio will follow suit at 4 p.m. Eastern Time starting this Monday. Kelly McDonald here at the Home Studio London, Ontario, Ramya Muthan. She's hanging out at the studio in Toronto. And we're talking um, performance and arts a bunch today. I'm really looking forward to oh, this yeah. next conversation also, Kels, uh, which is about a documentary series. This is called Ukrainian Mothers and the Children of War. And it introduces viewers to six incredible women who fled the war in Ukraine and chose Canada as their new home. So very specific journey that we're talking about here uh, for this group of people. And viewers through this documentary are meeting and learning about the experiences of these mothers and their children as they embark upon this new life in Canada. So to talk more about this, we're speaking with writer and director Elena Tumanska, and she's chatting about the series with us. Elena, thank you for coming on, Kelly and Ramia. Hi, thank you for having me. Appreciate your time and appreciate this project. I really want to learn more about it. Can you tell us about you? Uh, what inspired you to pick up stories like this to write about? And, uh, you know, what stuck out for you for this particular angle at this time? So being Ukrainian mother myself, uh, when the full uh, scale invasion uh, started, uh, I couldn't step inside and... Um, it drove me to create a documentary uh, about Ukrainian mothers and the children of war. And uh, being Ukrainian mother, it's very hard to understand. And it's not about only U Ukrainians, it's about like being a parent. So the hardest thing is understand that you cannot protect your own children. And uh, I started to film these stories uh, about six uh, women, brave women who rescued their kids and came to Canada and about Canadians who open their homes, open their hearts and um, share their food and give them hope. And eventually, like right now, they start to be like a one family with Canadians. Mm. Wow, nice, so incredible. It's interesting because it's that starting place that I'm curious of for yourself when make the decision, this is what I'm going to do. Where in the story, and you can tell us about the documentary series itself, um, how did you find and figure out the place you wanted to start when you had these six people that you were that you decided you were going to follow? Maybe you want to start there. How did you decide on the people you were going to follow? And where in your mind did you feel the story they were going to tell, their individual stories, could start? So... Um, um when the war, big war started, I was like faced with many 
um, like Facebook articles, I saw many pictures of destroyed buildings, destroyed lives. And uh, I, I just start to meet people in airport. Uh, I just start to film at the airport when these women arrived with uh, empty eyes, just like uh, searching for the hope. And um, and then I figure out that Canadians like create a portal where they um, they are uh, like invited uh, Ukrainians to share their stories and Canadian host them. So one of the story is uh, Tom, who whose grandmother immigrated to Canada during the uh, Second World War, and Tom said that uh, now it's his time to pay back. And when he saw the Anastasia story, um, Anastasia is from Irpin, and her um, her house was bombed, so she, she took her kid and they flew in Canada and Tom meet them here and host them this is a Tom and uh, they just like they are like now like a one big family yeah. uh, Anastasia her son found a job uh, like trying to build your uh, her own life here but I'm sure he, she will never forget this like first three months that uh, Tom helped her and give her like hope mm. 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 And I think that's one of the, the toughest things because we here would have our questions, want to know, well, what was this like? What was that experience like? When the reality is, I sit here thinking, what if I, in four weeks, couldn't be here? And then you take it from the perspective of a family trying to take care of your children, the people you love most in this world, and you, you start, it becomes unfathomable. Mm-hmm. and. That's where I was so curious on, and in the situation of Tom, what what a reason, what an experience with what he had to tell from family and saying it's time to give back. And, and like you said, the description of the folks when they came off the airplane, what do I do now? What do I, and there's so many things we would think, oh, I wouldn't know where to go, what to do, and they have to. Um, those must have been really hard to deal with in telling the story. Yes, absolutely. And for me, as a as a director, as for director, it was very hard to go again and again through all these stories, understanding mm. that maybe for some uh, mothers, I was the only one they knew in uh, in Canada. I was the only one. I was the only one who met them at the airport and guide them to the uh, their host family. And uh, right now, like like it's already one year and a half since we met for the first time and right now um like i start to be a family member for each of these mother as well and knowing that um, from the mother's story knowing that so they came here with kids but actually children start to be adult maybe 10 years adult and uh, the one mother said that Mm. On a birthday, when you ask your kid, what do you want for your birthday? Instead of uh, wishing some new toy or new mm. activities, all kids has like have one wish for for everyone. Just we want to work, the world to stop. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's part of the messaging. That's part of the story that's being told. What else is being told? If we're talking about... Um, Canadians who will check out this documentary series and on average just what we've been hearing already 
uh, about the, the war in Ukraine and the kind of information that we may have picked up already just through news and articles and streaming and social media. You know, there's so many ways that we keep in touch, right? But what specifically about this documentary series is being told to us and why is it important to take in something this way? Um, so being supportively, so the war is not uh, stopped yet. And I know that it's uh, one year and, a, year and a half since, and maybe uh, maybe some people already tired of this news, I know, but the war is not stopped yet. So we need to put all all we can just to stop this war, being supportively and um, like people did not choose to be uh, killed. This country, Ukrainian, did not choose to be country of war. Like we all want to live in a peace and these kids just want to be a kids. They don't want it to be adult to think what will they eat tomorrow or will they live tomorrow. Mm. So it's not somebody's choice choice we just like put in a situation where we have to manage with this and we don't want and it's not only about ukrainians it is it, it's international problem um and it's international problem as like as i focus this film on our mothers and kids uh knowing that your kids are in a safe place means a lot not only for ukrainian mothers for like all national in this world knowing that your kids in a safe it means a lot it's mean it means huge i know we we say that here you know where, do you know where your kids are what are they doing on the streets and they're not dealing with the same kind of war i'm not going to suggest for a moment and certain people in certain places definitely have a lot of stuff going on in their locations and and are fearful for the survival of their children their families you also mentioned that some people may be saying, oh, yeah, the war, you know, and, and I know for us not being there. And if it doesn't touch you in the same way, and we know it does, it touches everyone on this planet, everything going on does. I'm curious, with that in mind, when you'd meet people, when you decided to structure this, how, when we as a viewer look at it, what what should we expect to see here, learn, because what way did you take as a director to tell stories, to share with us these families so we watch them grow? And obviously, there's so many wonderful things we're going to learn about these people. So I filmed these six families, six mothers and kids during one year and a half. So I was witness uh, almost every chapter of their life, like uh, starting at the airport, then when they like uh, start to live with their host family, then they uh, find a job, then they move out. So we can be witness how from the like broken women with kid and with one small suitcase, but uh, with a big hope, these uh, families start to be uh, people who start to smile because again, knowing that your kids are in a safe place. So basically it's a story during like which lengths year and a half and showing all aspects uh, of lives uh, of immigrants, of refugees, of mother and kids. Um, like when kids go to school, come back school, uh, calling their dad, fathers and um, like telling this story for me was 
very important to to be supportive mm-hmm. to mm. these uh, women. And you know what I'm just like what I'm thinking right now, and what I've realized that the way how they speak to me, the way like uh, they it keeps them busy with me with filming them and it avoids some depression maybe because uh i was like a director who always knocking the door okay tell me your story okay mm. tell me what you do right now okay give me a hand let's go let's find a job we went to the like mall and we found a job and i helped this mother as well to to be um part of this society when you are just like not just a person who is a victim but you are yeah. a person who is a like value learning learning a new society yes and for kids who does not speak did not speak english who eventually start to speak english tell Mm -hmm. me their story in english and how they were was met at the school it was amazing and i wanted to tell and i want to say all canadians like big thank you for supporting um it means a lot Mm -hmm. you know what uh, what i think about is how taxing this must be on you to have the if not the pressure just the the love and the hope that this project will mean something and that when it goes out it is bringing out the messages that you want to portray Um, but a lot of that comes with how you conduct your interviews how much information and story these mothers the children are willing to share with you elena and i'm wondering you know what part of it made you nervous or what part of it makes you nervous to put this out into the world? Um, so as a director, I have a always, uh, I have a always two options. When the, your like character is crying, should you give her a napkin, her or him, like wherever, mm-hmm. or should you continue to, to film? And uh, for this uh, film, it was very hard because uh, I wanted to hug each mother like during the whole filming, but I could not. And I was uh, understanding that I need to tell the story and this story is worth to be heard. And um, I have a story of one mother who flew, who escaped the war twice. She was living in Donbass and the, uh, when her building was bombed in 2014, she moved to Irpin and then her house was bombed there as well. And I even have a video with a, um, rocket uh, parts uh, in her bombed, uh, bombed uh, building. And it was like kids stuff, kids um, toys just like everything was destroyed no windows no doors and um, for me it was very hard to ask these questions because she started to cry she mm. started to have a hysterical but i had to because if i wouldn't tell about this if i wouldn't prompt her to talk about it how else we can know about these emotions mm-hmm. without like that sure. so it was both hard but uh, eventually i i have to do it yeah. Can we ask about the host families too? Anything in the documentary? How do we, what, how much of their lives and welcoming the folks in and that interaction were you able to captify and are you satisfied with what you got? It's another amazing story because I was not expected that this part of film, like I mean, Canadians host start to be also my heroes. Uh, for example, Linda and Patrick, this is a family at the, um, 
50, 50, like close to 60, and they have never kids. They have never had a kids. And they hosted uh, Oksana with two kids. And eventually they, for the first time, heard uh, kids laughing in their house. And um, it was amazing because for them, it was another experience which they had never had. And they were so happy to be some, to be like a grandmother, grandfather for these kids. And they were begging uh, Oksana with her two kids, please don't move out. Please don't move out. But yeah. And, uh, but Oksana moved out because he found, she found a job and, but now all holidays they are together. Mm. I know it for sure. And, um, one phrase that Patrick says uh, that he said that he was thinking that what if the war start to be here and what if Linda should go and how I want to uh, he'll be treated like in other country mm-hmm. and with all these thoughts uh, they are helping those who need help here and it's amazing because all of them they're like a one family right now yes. it's amazing really there's um, there's a lot to take in, Elena. Thank you so much for the you know few minutes that you've spent with us, just breaking down uh, the intention behind your project and what you want us to take away from it, the messaging on your end, and of course all these stories that you've gathered and captured together through this uh, piece. So before we let you go, really quick, where can we find this documentary series? So this documentary was screened in Canada and right now it's going to be screened in uh, USA mm-hmm. and in other countries and very soon it will be available uh, available on one of the uh, online platform. Okay, amazing. Thank you and all the best with it. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you. We were speaking with director and writer uh, Alana Tumanska discussing her new documentary series. It's called Ukrainian Mothers and the Children of War, which you can find out and, uh, you know, go and check it out. Follow, Google it and find it, folks. Coming up after this break, we wrap up our show. We'll take a look at what's coming up on Now at Dave Brown and have a quick closing moment. We'll be right back. We'll be back with more of Kelly and Ramya after this short break. time folks to close the door on our wednesday edition of the program check out the repeats on ami tv and audio 10 p.m eastern time and of course you can find us on ami audio at 6 a.m in the morning and overnight on ami tv uh if not subscribe to the podcast we haven't mentioned that today you can subscribe using your favorite podcast platform and listen to the show in its entirety or choose a segment maybe that you love to check out and want to listen to and only have a few moments so uh you eat Post the show that way as well. And when you have time, the audio vanity card, which is at the end of the full show podcast. Rum Muth and Kelly McDonald, we are the hosts of the show. And Rum will tell us a little bit about now with Dave Brown. Those guys on the air on AMI-tv at 9 a.m. Yes, I will. And they've got some great convos coming up tomorrow morning. So Marco Flalo, our favorite tech dude, is discussing recent announcements by the social media platform X that it started beta testing the idea of charging new users to use the platform. We heard about it last week with John Beeler. And Mark is discussing also, just as a bigger philosophical discussion, whether social media in general still has a value for businesses and users. Huh. 
let alone charging us for it. Also, journalist Rebecca Dingwell will talk about the pagan traditions associated with Halloween. That's an angle, of course. And in her preview of McLean's magazine, Dawn Dickinson will discuss the new book that explores the idea of prolonging life. Shall we live for forever? This is a real busy time for Yes, Dawn. it is Halloween, yeah. Oh, man, she just loves it. Boy. Uh, and I asked Richardson the other day when he was on the show with me, would he pay for X? Uh, not, not that he has he to. He said hell no, right? Well, as a member, he doesn't have to. He wouldn't pay that dollar that they're asking. Um, I gather you wouldn't either pay it, but not only that, you don't have to, because from my understanding, for if lurking? you're a current user, you're fine. So you would, yeah, for lurking. Yeah, if I was a new user, as a lurker... Uh, um, just getting on social media to read and read posts but not post myself or engage in any other way. I'm not going to pay for X. Um, as a media person? That's where I think oh. that it Oh, the company can for pay people. for X. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Work that, that, work that angle. Work that angle. <laughs> I wonder how many of the people in finance just turned it off now. I just put their Oops. coat on and said, forget it. That's nonsense talk. Folks, we always like to get into at this point of the program our closing moments. So I do want you to think about this one, folks, because you know when you've made it big. You really have it driven home when a Barbie is created for you. Now, Barbie collaborates with Ted Lasso TV series. These are three new dolls that have come out uh, yesterday. They're available now, so if you want to start collecting them to get ready for your uh, holiday season, there's the Ted Lasso Barbie doll, uh, Rebecca Welton doll, and Keely Jones doll. So I, I, I have not watched the series at all, so I will not pretend to be a expert. I mean, I obviously know soccer coach, England, we've talked enough on the show, and support people. Um, Rum, if you, were, if you were, and I think we kind of visited this before, when you knew that yourself was going to be reflected as a Barbie doll, oh. would you be that soccer player? Would you be a radio announcer? Would you be a person oh around God. the house just doing your own things in your kitchen? How would you? Because, of course, here you got the ladies in wonderful gear and outfit, uh, Ted in his, uh, his so uh, soccer yes. coach yes. outfit. Yeah. You? I don't know. It'd have to be a very realistic portrayal, so it might be just me sitting at my uh, kitchen counter eating um, stew out of the pot or something. <laughs> wow. I don't know what mine would be. I think I'd, I would yeah. either go media or laughing, you know? Like, oh, for me, about, I really theater? would want my big theater smile, Kelly? right? No, I don't think no. so. I, I think it would be me it, You know what? It gets too weird laughing. to think about it. That's what it is. It does. Right? And you almost feel egotistical. Like no pressure. Yeah, yeah. And no no way it's happening. Barbie's, <laughs> the, you know, the manufacturing Mattel's not coming really up. coming to me for this? Yeah. Kelly, come over here. Put that big smile on and tell us what's coming up tomorrow on the show. Tease us, will you? Okay. Uh, Mary Mammolini will be here to share 10 surprising kitchen items you can clean in your dishwasher. Oh, good. Also, this week's roundtable, we're joined by friend of the show, former In the Know contributor Margaret Weldon. Looking forward to having uh, her on. That's it! Me with my hands around the invisible supposed roundtable that I say is oval. We'll catch you tomorrow. Back here on the program, we're waving at you. Have a good night. I have to say that one of the most interesting things that I've noticed as we get back out in the field doing interview work or live hits like we did in London for the fifth anniversary of The Hub or those interviews that we've been rolling out on the air that we collected from The Balance Affair is finding out how many new people to me are out there. Now, l let me try to f 
express this the easiest way I can because I don't wish to suggest I know everybody in Canada and there's some new people here I've noticed over here. But when you are involved with the community, as I had in Toronto for at least 16 years working and being there and getting involved in the different groups over the years, you meet a lot of people. Now I start working from London. And then along comes COVID. So let's just say basically six years ago, when I left being in Toronto all the time, knowing the people I knew, um, running around doing a lot of interview work, especially when I was on AMI this week and being very much in the community and not just Toronto, but around. We know Toronto is very diverse. Now I'm starting to see that. When you have the tables with people manning them from so many different walks of life, it's wonderful. When you interview guests who run organizations supporting those who may not have English as one of their languages, who may be newer to the country, or maybe two or th you know three generations of their family, but still maybe in that, that community and never feeling so welcomed to the mainstream as we would put it, right? You know, the different events, the different groups out there that have got their arms wide open, but just trying to make people feel welcome then then they they belong it was nice to run into new people shake hands with people that that i didn't know and this was one of the most wonderful things it's nice to say okay we're going on a trip to alberta or out to newfoundland you're going to meet new people people you don't know but it's even more wonderful in your own community i love it in london because in london you see less you know there's a large low vision and blind community but you don't see a lot of them it's generally the same suspects and Toronto's the same. As big as it is, it used to always seem, oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, I know that person. It's kind of the joke that you say, oh, I know somebody from Canada. Do you know so-and-so who lives in Westminster, B.C.? And, oh, no, no, actually, I'm sorry. I live in Halifax. You know, so it, it's that kind of thing in, in, in communities and groups like we know. Um, I love it. I love the presence of different people. And I guess in the way of a broadcaster or a part of a media company, it feels like they're, oh, man, new potential listeners, viewers to, to what we do. And that's always good. But I just like it because it means to me more barriers are going down. And that is Hi, I'm Red Sale, inviting you to download the latest episode of My Life in Books, where internationally acclaimed authors discuss their lives, their work, and three books that have resonated with them. That's My Life in Books, available wherever you get your AMI podcasts.